Welcome everyone to God Talk Uncensored, where no topic is off limits. We use the Bible as a source of truth, and everything we share is from our personal experiences and the Bible. All right, let's do this. Welcome everybody to God Talk Uncensored. I am glad to be back. I was uh, out of town with my wife in Colorado uh, on a marriage retreat. It was amazing. Uh, I will probably do a show about that someday, but today I want to talk about something that, trust me, everybody needs to hear, okay? It's about judging people, judging others, judging in general. And here's the interesting thing about uh, judging or judgment. First of all, uh, we're not talking about judgment by way of pronouncing sentence. Okay. So oftentimes you hear the statement, you know, you can't judge me or, uh, you know, thou shalt not judge or, you know, do not judge lest ye be judged, all of those things. And they're actually accurate. So I want to read a couple scriptures and then we're going to talk about the difference between judgment and assessment or, um, or, uh, relational um, edification, commitment, and communication, okay? This is really important because a lot of people just step back and they're like, you're never allowed to assess what's happening with somebody or assess what is, uh, you know, spiritually taking place in a, in a particular situation. And that's just not biblical, okay? It's just not. So we're going to talk about how do we do it what does it look like, and what is uh, various forms of judgment. So the, the Pharisees were the worst judges, right? Which means that they basically looked out exterior, external circumstances, and they would assess based on uh, those things. So Jesus says you uh, wash the outside of the cup, but inside is filthy, or... Um, you know, things just very similar to that. So anyway, uh, Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 1 says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. So so we know that Jesus is like, okay, don't don't judge. What are we talking about here? So let me give you a few examples. This is, this is important. Many of you guys know that I've been in sobriety uh, for, well, I've been sober by the grace of God for over 15 years, okay? I've been around people in recovery and people in sobriety for a really long time. And you find this very interesting, nuanced sort of thing within, you know, the culture of sobriety. And this is what you oftentimes can find. People will say, I've been sober for eight years, right? And then when you start to talk to them, they say that their drug of choice, let's say, was uh, drinking, but they smoke weed every day. You know what I'm saying? But to them, because of the wording that they're using and the fact that they believe sobriety means to not drink, they claim that they've been sober for X amount of time. But at the same time, they're still doing something else that has nothing to do with sobriety, which is weird because if somebody was addicted to weed and they smoked all the time and then they stopped, they'd say, I'm finally sober. But the person who's drinking alcohol or not drinking anymore and now smoking weed, they can say that they're sober. So it's a twist on words. It's insanity. Um, I had a buddy of mine who, who 
he was a raging alcoholic. Uh, he also liked crystal meth, but he didn't do it all the time. And then he ended up getting uh, uh, free from uh, alcohol, but he smoked crystal meth all day, every day. And when you talk to him, he would say that he was sober. You know what I mean? So, so we're talking about being able to adequately um, assess, um, you know, falsehood or insanity and just call it kind of what it is. And we're not talking about judging the, the person, but we're talking about judging the circumstance. We're talking about judging the situation, right? Because God ultimately is the one who pronounces sentence. If you want to talk about, you know, a judge, what does a judge really do? He weighs evidence and then he pronounces sentence. So luckily for all of us, right, the, the sentence that we should have been pronounced about Jesus took that on on our behalf. But that doesn't mean that we should just live in a way that's like fully inconsistent. So, all right, we're going to go to a couple passages and then uh, and then we're going to close this thing out. But trust me, you're going to like this. All right. So if you go to 1 Corinthians um, chapter 8, there's this whole passage about uh, eating food that was sacrificed to idols. Not a factor that we deal with today, but be but back then you would go to the meat market, and oftentimes the meat that you were buying was um, previously sacrificed to some foofy god, god of X L M N O P, and people believed that if you were to consume that food, that you were somehow participating in that particular form. Of worship, right? Normally, the there would be a sacrifice done for whatever the god or whoever the god was, and then you would consume that meat, uh, you know, shortly thereafter. And it was kind of this whole ritualistic ceremony. But oftentimes, there was extra meat left over, and I'm sure those priests, those pagan priests, were like, "Cool, let's cut this stuff up, sell it, make some extra money." So the concern was, if I go to the market as a Christian and I buy this food that was sacrificed to an idol, am I somehow worshiping something that's not right? Okay. So many, uh, many, so it became a, a, an issue. And so this is what the apostle Paul, glasses, getting older. Okay. Let me get my glasses on. This is what the apostle Paul says about that. Now about food sacrifice to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something uh, do not yet know as they ought to know, but whoever loves God is known by God. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in this world, and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through all things uh, through whom we live. But not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think it is um, having been sacrificed to a God. And since their conscience is weak, they are defiled. So basically it's saying like, if somebody consumes this, this meat and they don't fully understand because maybe they used to practice this idolatry, then for them, right, they, it's, it's, it's wrong. Like they shouldn't be doing it. Okay. We're going to keep reading. Um, 
Let's see here. But food does not bring us near to God, nor are we worse off if we do not eat or know better if we do. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you uh, with all your knowledge eating at an idol's uh, temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way, you wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause them to fall. So this is a twofold thing here that we're talking about. So one thing is that we are to do everything in love. But we are also not to judge somebody else, their, their motivations or where they stand uh, in particular areas in relation to God because we see something that we may, you know, we may not necessarily feel okay with. Okay, so we're going to go to a couple other passages and then I'm going uh, to share with you guys some the difference between being a Pharisee and uh, righteously judging. All right, so we are going to John. Uh, let's see here. John chapter 7, and it is verse 24. Jesus says, Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. So if I go back real quick to that whole thing about, um, I know I talked about sobriety and I talked about meat sacrificed to idols, but imagine for a second that you believed because you got sober that anybody who drank alcohol was somehow sinning because for you, you knew that that was wrong and that would have been considered sinning. So if, you know, getting into an environment in your life with other people who are, you know, maybe successfully drinking would cause, you know, your, uh, you to judge them as the weaker person, right? You judge them because they're drinking or, um, you know, that the struggle that, that, that you have somehow is, uh, is making you feel as if, um, the person that's doing whatever they're doing in front of you is sinning against God, then, then now you're being a Pharisee, right? But at the same time, we're supposed to do everything in love. So if I, as a sober person, or, or rather, if, if I didn't struggle with, with drinking or alcohol or whatever, and I knew that somebody else did, but I didn't really care because it wasn't my struggle, and I just went ahead and went over to their house and cracked a beer right in front of them, knowing that it would cause them to, to, to desire or to want to do it, and that uh, you know it was, it was affecting them negatively, then I, I'm doing something wrong. Okay. I want to tell you something that Hopefully, if you're listening and you were one of those people who said something, you are not offended, but I'm going to say this because it really does matter. We're talking about motivations of the heart here. A few years ago, I started doing these God talks, right? And I was approached by somebody from my former church who said to me, um, I really enjoy your God talks. 
but I would feel better if you didn't wear a hat when you talked about the Bible. Okay. So here's the thing. I have zero problem wearing a hat. Then somebody said not very long ago, they don't like the fact that I wear a tank top when I talk about God or when I use, when I talk about the Bible. And somehow for them, it detracts or takes away. And I get it, right? I get both of these sentiments. There were some some teaching, some old school ways of thinking that would say that when you when you're in church or you you have your head covered, it's a disgrace. That's why oftentimes in the past, people during group prayer they would take their hat off, right? And it was a sign of uh, respect. Just to be clear, it's not in the Bible. Um, clothing, totally get it, right? If, if, I, if I was, uh, hypothetically here, right, if I was um, wearing a tank top so that, uh, you know, I was trying to make a statement um, or I was detracting from the message or my hat in some way, you know, was like, you know what I'm saying? Like doing a thing that took it away. Uh, I get it, right? I'm a tank top and hat kind of guy. And I'm not preaching from, you know, a pulpit. And I think even if I was, it wouldn't really matter. But I understand that there are uh, settings that would require different sort of (laughs) apparel. And so... Anyway, I, I, I love you. So I can become a Pharisee too. Right now, I can become a Pharisee. I can become judgmental by saying that those people who said those things about just the way that I dress, they are X, Y, Z. And now in my heart, I have set them in a different place or I have uh, like made some assessment about what they're about and who they are because of the way that they looked at, you know, the way I do these podcasts. So I'm not doing that. And uh, by way of maturity and length in faith, I'm just going to say like, you're going to have to get over it. You know what I'm saying? And you can reach out to me directly. Now, if it is hindering your uh, progress in understanding the depths of God, more and more that I wear a hat or a tank top. Like, let's have a real conversation, okay? But anyway, so here's the other piece of the puzzle about uh, judging. And this I got into a, it was fairly significant, at least for me. Uh, There was an individual on Facebook and uh, somebody that I, went to church with and was a part of leadership and they were highlighting and posting things on their page that were just inconsistent with the Bible, biblical doctrine and truth. So when we talk about this area of judgment and we talk about are we as Christians supposed to be Uh, assessing and evaluating and holding each other accountable in love 
Um, I'm going to tell you 100% yes. And anybody who says otherwise needs to understand what the Bible says. So I'm going to read to you a passage, and it's going to solidify this, this argument. Now, I just want to say this. Everything has to be done in love. Like my care and concern for the individual has to come first, but not at the expense of truth, not at the expense of, of upholding the word. It's just can't. And so I think that's like the 11th commandment, thou shalt be nice, right? And what niceness looks like to some, like I can be nice and still like maybe grab you and pull you out of the way of the bus that's coming. Or I can be nice because I'm saying, dude, there's a train coming, get off the track. I can be nice by saying to the two-year-old, don't stick that fork in the socket. Or I, you know what I mean? Like there's a way for me to approach something in love that may not necessarily look nice. All right, ready? There was this problem in the Corinthian church. And the problem in the Corinthian church was that there was a guy who was sleeping with his father's wife. So this is what the Apostle Paul says. The Bible is where I'm going to go to when it comes to are we supposed to um, assess things that are happening in our environment, specifically church and within our Christian communities, or are we supposed to just say, I can't judge? Okay, let's do this. Ready? Here we go. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife. And you are proud? Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put your put out uh, of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? For my part, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. As one who is present with you in this way, I have already passed judgment in the name of the Lord Jesus on the one whom has been doing this. So what did he do? He passed judgment. In the name of the Lord Jesus. So what he did was he used the truth of Christ, of the word, of the Bible, and he said that he was making an assessment, a judgment based on behavior. Okay. So when you are assembled and I am with you in spirit and the power of our Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good, right? There's some people, they boast in the, the sin or the behavior and highlight it as something that should be tolerated, accepted, and sort of brought in the fold of what's going on within church. Um. Don't you know that a little yeast 
uh, leavens the whole batch of dough. Get rid of the old yeast so that you uh, so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Here we go. Not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy or swindler or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave the world. But now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or slanderer or drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? Question mark. Obviously, that's rhetorical. God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. Now, you're not going to normally find that happening within our culture. Nobody's expelling and doing all of that stuff. I'm not just let me try and make this sort of clear. If you are... um, if you are visiting a church, if you're a part of a church, if you are in um, your Christian circle and there are people that are seeking the Lord and they're coming and they don't have their life right yet, whatever that's supposed to look like, life right, none of us do. But if they're actively like living a lifestyle that's inconsistent, but yet they're just sort of seeking, that's different. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about people who claim, I am a Christian, I believe these certain things, and my sin is okay. My behavior is fine, and not only is my behavior fine, everybody here needs to accept it, they need to to, um, embrace it, and they need to validate it so that I can continue in this behavior. And this is a factor within our church. So the guy that I was talking to you about on Facebook, he, he defended something that was 100% unbiblical. And it was fascinating to me how that took place and it was kind of heartbreaking. And I felt in the Lord that like what I was supposed to be doing is just sort of hitting him up and saying, hey man, like you might want to consider uh, what you're posting and what that's saying to the rest of the world about what our faith base is really about. Like, are we okay with certain things? There's nothing wrong with drinking, for instance. There's nothing wrong with drinking. There's something wrong with being a drunkard, right? That's, that's different. Um, there, there's nothing wrong with, with, um, going to, let's say an R rated movie per se. There's nothing wrong with, with doing certain things until it becomes an obsession until it becomes something that's more weighty on our life that takes us away. And then it should be okay. Like when I was uh, in my active addiction, I wish somebody would have said, brother, what you're doing is not okay. And you need to stop it. It's not who you are in Christ. It's not the way that you were meant to be. And it's not who he wants you to be. And you need to stop. But I didn't get none of that. 
what I got was this this internal thing from each person. Like, well, I guess I can't judge. Can't judge. We're not talking about judging. We're, we're not talking about motivations of the heart, right? Everybody's got wounds. Everybody's got issues. We are talking about assessing behavior and saying, wow, brother, I love you. And this thing that's going on in your life, it is taking you away from what God's best is for you. That's what it's doing. So hopefully this, this, will, this, this little talk will help. You'll be able to assess like, am, am I in a place where I'm judging the individual or judging the, the behavior? I can't judge motivations. I don't know what's happening in somebody's heart. That's God's place. But what I can do is say, hey, man, this is, dude, this isn't okay, man. You're, you're really damaging yourself. And potentially, if you adopt that into your Christian community and you act as if it's okay, other people are going to start to do the same exact thing. And eventually, we don't even look like what Jesus has called us to look like. You know what I'm saying? If you are hearing this and you're like, man, I'm struggling with whatever, uh, you can be set free. By the power of the blood of Jesus, you can be set free. It just can, it, it, it can happen. I'm a testimony to that. You can be set free from any and all addictive patterns and behaviors. And, and all you need to do is ask for help, right? That's really what it comes down to. If, you, if you're a Christian and you're like, man, I'm struggling with certain areas of what you're saying, hit me up, right? Go in the comments, hit me up. You can email info at godtalkuncensored.com. I love to chit chat with you guys. But do this now. God, I need you, right? Ask for Jesus to come into your heart. You can do it now. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Make me new. Cleanse me and send me your Holy Spirit to change my life. In the name of Jesus. God bless you guys. We're going to do this again. Talk to you. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to God Talk Uncensored. We appreciate your support, and until next time, God bless you.